Hey everybody, this is Gene Troyer. I'm the lead pastor of Restore Church. And what a pleasure it is to welcome you to our podcast. It's my hope that you will be marked by love and encouraged in your faith and inspired to become all God has created you to be. Now I invite you to lean in and enjoy the podcast. Hey, I want to say, if you haven't heard it yet this morning, I want to say welcome home. We're really glad you're here, that you're in the house, that you're online. Welcome home to you guys. We hope that as we gather together this morning, that all of us lean in a little bit more and listen up because I think the Spirit of God wants to say something to us this morning. I know he's already been speaking to me. I believe he's been just speaking to all of us this morning during worship, and he'll do it again as we continue on in our time together. Hey, this is week number three of Open House. We've been talking about this experience of hospitality, how we're impacted by it, how much we need and long to know and be known. How much we need to be valued and cared for. How much we need to be appreciated, to be loved. And this morning, I'd like to add two more, which is to be honored and respected. Honored and respected. Open house. This morning, I'm talking about turnabout. Turnabout. Now, you may have heard the term, turnabout is fair play. Have you ever heard that? Raise your hand if you've heard turnabout is fair play. Maybe you know that turnabout is fair play means that if you do it to me, I get to do it to you. If you treat me poorly, I get to treat you poorly. That's the classic definition of turnabout is fair play. Now, this past Thursday, I attended a dinner party. It was at the lake in Syracuse, and the Kearns boys were there. Uh, Jordan, he was just up here. His two little boys were there. And as often happens, uh, little boys get into tussles and, you know, they, they kind of tend to, sometimes us br- the brothers don't all get along real well. The Kearns boys do pretty well. However, it was pretty funny when I was standing up by the house and all of a sudden I heard, you did it to me first. And I turned to look and here's one of them kind of gently pounding on the other one. Turnabout is fair play, right? You did it to me first. Three weeks ago, I stepped into a local business, and as sometimes happens over the course of time, sometimes we don't always agree with everything that happens, right? Sometimes you and I have relationship difficulties. I ended up getting thrown out of this business for the, like, I took, it took 57 years for me to get chucked out of a business. It happened. Not that I did anything wrong when I walked in, but... COVID does weird things. Did you know that? COVID, over the course of the last year, has wreaked havoc on relationships. And so when you help a brother to try to understand a certain opinion and it doesn't work out so well, sometimes you just ask to leave the business. Do you think that I wanted to be a turnabout as fair play in that moment? Yes. It's a real experience. I already saw the headlines. Local pastor, blah, 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 gets out of a business, right? I saw it because I was about to do some turnabout is fair play, which was to write something somewhere. No, I didn't do it. Fortunately, fortunately, I had my wits about me and the Holy Spirit kind of prompting me one direction, which was not the direction of turnabout is fair play. 
I'm not telling you that because I'm so spiritual. I'm telling you that so that you know that even those of us in leadership, even those of us leading organizations, I'm a pastor, but I struggle with the same things as all humanity does. We all have this propensity toward selfishness and my way's the right way. But when we lean into a posture of open house, then we don't just lean into that posture of open house for the purpose of holding an audience's attention and interest, because that's simply entertainment. But when we lean into this, it's for offering hospitality in the spirit of Jesus as he taught us that it's not about us or our friends that can reciprocate the experience we offer, but rather, you guys, true hospitality is given from a place that regardless of the other's response, still moves in the direction of knowing, of love, and of care. True hospitality is, is far more than simply entertainment. Uh, you might remember the words of Jesus. He talks to us about hospitality all over the scriptures. He says things like, do unto others as you would have them do to you. Treat others as you want to be treated. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Love God and others. Around here, we talk about being marked by love. Marked by love. Jesus says, you will know, they will know that you are my disciples by your love. You want to make Jesus known? Then love others as God has loved you. Love your enemy, Jesus says. He says, pray for those that persecute you. He even goes so far as to say that I am in you. If you keep my commands, I am in you and you are in me. So make my love visible. By working out your faith, by working out your faith, by keeping my commands. So maybe this morning you're thinking, so is this what you're asking me to do? Well, sort of. Yes, I am. It's not sort of. It is. Definitely. This is the way that we live in this life. This is the better way. This is the Jesus way. But it calls for a different definition of turnabout. See, turnabout is a change in direction. A change in allegiance. It's a, it's a reversal of direction. It is practicing the principles of an upside down kingdom that says, others first, myself last. It's our example. Our example is a servant king. A servant king who came to seek and save us who are floundering, all who are wandering, all who have a propensity toward living for self rather than for others. All who need a turnabout. That's who the king came for. That's who Jesus came for. All of us that need a turnabout, a change of direction, a change in allegiance. It looks like this conversation that Jesus had on the day of his crucifixion. Now, if you know anything about Jesus, you know that he was born of a virgin. He, from the very beginning, was a miracle, a miracle in the making. He was already, he, he came being born as an infant into this world through a virgin. And if you know anything about Jesus, you know that he was condemned to die, that he was crucified, that he rose from the dead. But let's pick the story up in Luke 23. Luke 23, verse 32. Here's what, he's on, he's, he's, he's been condemned to die. 
And then it says, two others, both criminals, were led out to be executed with him. When they came to a place called the skull, you may have heard it called Golgotha, one and the same, they nailed him to the cross. And the criminals were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left. Jesus said, as all this is happening, Jesus says, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. And the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. The crowd watched and the leaders scoffed. He saved others, they said. Let him save himself if he is really God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers mocked him too by offering him a drink of sour wine. They called out to him, hey Jesus, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. A sign was fastened above him with these words, this is the king of the Jews. Now one of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed. He said, so you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. But the other criminal protested and he said, don't you fear God even when you have been sentenced to die? See, we deserve to die for our crimes. But this man, this man hasn't done anything wrong. And then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And I just imagine, you know, the effort that it took for a crucified person, somebody hanging on a cross, to actually lift themselves up enough to be able to speak, that effort and I imagine Jesus looking at him and saying, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. Today you will be with me in paradise. See, when the thief said, remember me, Jesus simply said, consider it done. His hospitality was clear. Even in his last minute turnabout, this criminal was seen by Jesus. He knew him, he cared for, and loved him. He honored and respected him. How incredible is the mercy and grace of Christ, the hospitality of Jesus. Now, the, the, the past number of weeks, if you've been around here, um, I've been pointing us to the hospitality of God. But, but for some of us, our demeanor toward this calling to come and follow has been both a matter of rebellion, and I'm even call it atheism. Rebellion because to follow Jesus goes against the grain of our human nature. See, don't we say I want what I want, when I want? Don't tell me what to do. And atheism because while we acknowledge with our mouths, unfortunately we deny with our actions. We want equal parts grace and the right to be self-serving. It's this dilemma of having one foot in and the other foot out. One foot in, today I'll have the foot in, but tomorrow, eh, getting back into my work life, getting back into to my, my, my uh, local coffee shop, wherever I'm going, I'm gonna probably step out for a bit. But I, I'll, I'll do this today. I'll have my foot in. But this is not how it works in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God calls us to more. The kingdom of God calls us to greater sacrifice, greater love, greater levels of selflessness, all of which is opposed by our human nature that rebels against the laying down of our lives for the other. Isn't that so hard to do? Laying down my life for the good of the other. See, our needs and our wants get all kinds of confused. We want entertainment, but we need hospitality. 
Do you catch that? We want entertainment, but we need, we long for hospitality. Our human nature wants adoration and admiration, but our soul needs, our soul needs are, are, are looking like things like blessing and rest and spiritual intimacy. We want entertainment, but we need hospitality. Jeff Christofferson, he's an author and a blogger, uh, he, he speaks about some distinctions between entertainment and hospitality. The first one is entertainment impresses and hospitality blesses. So it's this, this idea of orientation. How, what's your orientation toward hospitality and your own needs being met? So you have to ask, who is at the center of, of attention? Is it me? If so, then a win is going to be for my guests to be uber impressed with me, to admire me, to adore me. But if my focus, if my orientation is other-centric, then a win is that others are better for having been with me. Their lives are enriched. They are encouraged. I see them as I see myself with misgivings and pain and with heartache, with joy, and with areas of need of reconciliation and peace. Entertainment impresses, hospitality blesses. Distinction number two is entertainment stresses, hospitality savers. So what, are you, what is your aspiration? What is your purpose? If it is to create a facade that requires constant management to keep any cracks from being seen, you're stressing. Some of you stressed out today just walking through these doors. Stepping into, a, if you're new, stepping into a new place is typically difficult for many of us. The effort we require to impress, the effort that is required to impress is just simply untenable. And let's be honest, most of us aren't that impressive. So we fake it, don't we? We fake it and we stress. But hospitality, it allows for relaxation, for attention to be given without needing to keep all the plates spinning and to simply savor the moments in the presence of others. The highlight is not a well-presented a, a well table, but it is the people around that table. Entertainment stresses hospitality savers. Distinction number three is entertainment babbles. <laughs> hospitality listens. Entertainment babbles, hospitality listens. It's, it's about that moment of communion, this intimate gathering. What happens when we're sitting around the table? Because entertainment feels the pressure of silence and fills it with chatter about themselves, their kids, their wins, certainly not their losses, about their remarkable experiences, interjecting and one-upping instead of asking meaningful questions and allowing for the grace of being heard. Perceiving what isn't being said, truly reading, reading between the lines is only possible, you guys, if we are tuned in, listening with spiritual discernment. Hospitality listens for opportunities to encourage and lift up, to move from spiritual, move to spiritual from the superficial. Entertainment babbles. 
Hospitality listens. And finally, number four, the fourth distinctive is entertainment excludes and hospitality honors. Hey, this is about inclusion. Who do you include in your circles? Hospitality excludes, I'm sorry, entertainment excludes, hospitality honors. Entertainment says some people are just not worth the effort. What can they give me anyway? They are too other to pursue. So we find people that are like us, those who make me feel important, those who make me feel valued, those who validate who I am. But genuine, Jesus-like hospitality looks for those in need of love and esteems them as honored guests. Did you catch that? Genuine, Jesus-like hospitality looks for those in need of love and esteems them as honored guests. Entertainment excludes hospitality honors. The move from entertainment to hospitality is really a move of life change. And life change only comes when we commit to a reversal of direction, when our allegiance is turned toward the other in our life instead of to ourselves. Now, the only way I know to, to have a complete turnaround, to reverse a reversal of life direction, is to surrender to Jesus, to surrender ourselves, to step back and allow Jesus to step in. Life change only comes with turnabout. Life change only comes with surrender. So I wonder what your turnabout story is. What's your turnabout story? I wonder if it's still to be written. Here's some questions to consider as you think about that. Is your perspective of Jesus shaped by the disappointments of your life? That's a big one. Is your perspective of Jesus shaped by the disappointments of your life? The things that aren't as you wish they were. I had a grandma tell me this morning, because there are so many things that are, are wrong in her family's life right now. She said, I have a real problem even seeing Jesus in the middle of all this. There's so much wrong that I, I can't hardly see Jesus this morning. And you know what I was able to tell her was that that's where the rest of us step in. When your faith is weak, when you don't see Jesus, then those of us who are in different, different circumstances now will step in and say, well, I'll be Jesus for you. I'll connect. I'll pray for you. When the prayers are difficult to, to, to deliver, that's where the rest of us step in and pray. I wonder, has Jesus disappointed you? That's a tough one. Like, who wants to admit that Jesus has disappointed me? Who's willing to even say this? But you know, he's not surprised by how you feel. He's not surprised by what you think. I wonder if you carry a, what have you done for me lately sort of attitude toward God? Many of us do. Many of us forget that he's not a genie in a bottle. 
You rub the bottle and the genie pops out and grants you your wishes. Many of us speak to Jesus in this manner. When we pray, this is our thought process. You catch a common phrase here or a common way of thinking, which would be that our turnabout hasn't quite, we haven't quite stepped into it. It's still about us. If I can just get Jesus to do what I want him to do. And finally this morning, I would just ask, I mean, this is hard to think about for some of us. Have you acknowledged the mistakes of your life? In other words, have you acknowledged the sin in your life? Because for a turnabout to happen, the sin in our life has to be addressed. The hospitality of God has come close in the move of Jesus. You guys, the future is now. God has come and he is coming. It's the mystery of the now and the not yet. He is here, and yet he's also coming. In Revelation 21, 33, we see these words. And as we consider what it means to be hospitable, what it means to live with an open house, just know that these words are words of encouragement, that God's home is now among his people. He will live with them, and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. See, the criminal on the cross, we still refer to him as a criminal, as a point of context. That criminal is redeemed. He is restored. He is whole. This criminal hanging on the cross, connected with Jesus at the last minute. Are you waiting for the last minute? Are you hoping just to slide in the door? Because here's the deal. Here's the deal. You can live your life for yourself and take the chance of sliding in at the last minute. Well, what for? What for? The better life, the way of Jesus, the way that calls us to more, the way that is not a cop-out, is a way a lot harder to live the way of Jesus, to put down yourself, to lift others up, than it is to live only looking out for yourself. It is not how or where you start that is important. It's how you finish that determines everything. It's not how or where you start that is important. It is how you finish that determines everything. How will you finish? How how will you finish? To finish well, you have to get started. So start today. Start today. Start your turnabout story today and live with an attitude of open house. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. Please rate and review us on Spotify and iTunes and join us again for next week's podcast. We love you and pray blessing and peace over you and your family.